0: this. Oh, there we go. I was going to send it back to Toys R Us. Good evening, everybody. My name is Jordan. As Graham said, I am the location pastor for our south location. And especially if you're visiting tonight, if it's your first time, welcome to church. You are our guest. I love this time of year, this month specifically, because something very special happens. Now, I'm going to give you three guesses as to what I'm talking about, but John, you had this this morning, so so, three guesses. Something happens this time of year, this month. Shout out. Hmm? Drew, you got it in one. A new Star Wars film. A new Star Wars. Christmas is too obvious, by the way. A new Star Wars film came out. Episode 8 is called The Last Jedi. Any Star Wars fans here? That's more than South. This will be good. Has anyone seen the film yet, actually? Great, it's good, wasn't it? This is the amazing part at the end, right? When (laughs) I'm joking. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. I mean, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm not that much of a sinner. Anyway, myself and my wife Jodie went to see it on Friday night, and we loved it. You know, last week, speaking of spoilers, I said to someone, I'm going to stay off the internet for two days, and they said, Jordan, that's great. Are you fasting? I said, no, I just don't want to read any Star Wars spoilers. Star Wars, right? For those of you who don't know it, Star Wars is split up into nine episodes. And tonight I want to talk about Christmas. That's the main crux of the message. But the first part of tonight, I want to kind of briefly go over the story of Star Wars. And this is important and it relates to Christmas. So even if you're not a fan, listen. Star Wars is split up into nine episodes, nine main films. Each episode has its own film. Episode eight was the one that's just come out, the one that me and my wife saw on Friday night. Now the basic premise of Star Wars is that you have the galaxy, and all these humans and aliens live on different planets in different solar systems in relative peace. And in the world of Star Wars, you get these guys called Jedi. The Jedi are the peacekeepers. They are the good guys, They're like the Star Wars version of Christians. Now, basically, the whole of Star Wars revolves around this one guy called Anakin Skywalker. Anakin is born good, and he becomes this great Jedi, the most powerful man in the, the most powerful man of all time. But then along come... The Sith. Everyone say, boo. The Sith. The Sith are the bad guys. The Sith corrupt Anakin. They turn them evil. They turn them into who we know as Darth Vader. Many of you will recognize him. Now, Darth Vader and this guy called the Emperor, they kill all the good guys, and they take over the galaxy, and they start what's known as this evil empire. That's the story of the first three episodes. By the end of episode three... The bad guys have won, the good guys aren't dead, are all away in hiding somewhere, and all hope seems lost. That is until Star Wars Episode 4, aptly titled, A New Hope. Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope, is set years later. Now what is this new hope? The new hope is a guy called Luke Skywalker, Anakin's son. Luke grows up in hiding. to cut a long story short, he becomes a Jedi, he unites the good guys, he fights the bad guys, he turns his dad, Darth Vader, back to the good side, and they defeat the evil empire, spoiler alert, and then they all live happily ever after until episode 7, which I'm not going to go into today. If, by the way, I did spoil that, the film I talked about is almost 40 years old, you have had long enough to see that film, so do not complain. Now you might be thinking, why on earth did I come to church tonight? to hear about Star Wars. I want to focus on the title, the title of episode four, A New Hope. See, before episode four, everything was bleak, everything was bad. It seemed like the bad guys had won. Then along comes Luke, the hope that the galaxy needs. I've titled today's message, A New Hope. Not because of Star Wars, but because it's almost Christmas. And I want to talk about the message of hope that Christmas brings The story of Christmas, it wasn't made up by George Lucas, it's not owned by Disney yet. The message and story I want to share today, it's reality, it's truth, and no matter who you are tonight, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, I believe this message of hope applies to you today. So I'm going to pray first of all, and then we'll get into it. God, I thank you so much first of all that you love us. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Thank you, God, that you'll never leave us. Thank you, God, for the hope that Christmas brings. And Lord, just pray for us tonight. I pray that you'd help me speak. to be your words, not mine. I pray that you'd open our eyes to see you, God. Open our ears to hear you. And soften our hearts, Lord, to receive you. Speak to us tonight, Lord. You're welcome here, Holy Spirit. Make your home amongst us. We love you and we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. let you know by the way, the death star has nothing to do with Christmas but I couldn't edit that out. (laughs) So ignore the death star. For those of you who couldn't do it, let me set the scene. Hundreds of years earlier, before Christmas, the Jews, God's people, had turned away from God. As a result, they got taken into captivity and they were enslaved. Then around the year 430 BC, they returned to Israel and they took up some of their old traditions again but their worship just wasn't the same. After the last prophet Malachi, who wrote the last book of the Old Testament, died, there's what we call the 400 years of silence. 400 years between when the last book of the Old Testament was written and when Jesus is born. Now, God's last promise for the Israelites before this 400 years was that he would send a Messiah who would come and rescue the Israelites. Then there was nothing. For 400 years, God didn't seem to speak. Now, during this 400 years, different empires, different groups fought for Israel. There were battles, there were fights. Eventually, though, the Roman Empire came and they took over. They let the Jews continue their religion. But a lot of the priests that the Romans put in power were there just for political reasons. And many of the Jews were asking, where's God? God promised us a Messiah. He promised he would come and rescue us. Where is he? For many of them hope was lost. Has anyone here tonight ever felt like God was being silent when you really needed him? It's hard. Then after 400 years of silence, a child is born. We're going to turn to the Bible tonight. We're going to turn to the first Christmas, incidentally, to the book of Luke. It wasn't written by Luke Skywalker. It was written by a man called Luke, who was a doctor. Now, I'm going to go through Luke 1 and 2, but we'll be here all night if I read them start to finish. So I'm going to paraphrase the first half of Luke, then we'll get into the Bible properly. So the first half of Luke, an angel of God appears to a man called Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, and he tells them they're going to have a baby. This baby will be John the Baptist, who the angel says will pave the way for the Messiah. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were barren. They were unable to conceive kids, but one word from God changed that. So Zechariah and Elizabeth get pregnant, then afterwards, the angels appeared to Elizabeth's cousin, Mary, and this is where we're going to pick it up when the angels appeared to Mary in Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. We're going to skip ahead to Luke chapter 2 now. Luke chapter 2 verse 1. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 400 years of silence, 400 years of waiting, 400 years of what seemed like hopelessness. Then along comes Jesus a new hope. God born as a baby. I want to tell you tonight, this, was, this isn't just hope for the Jews. I believe this hope was for all of humankind, every single person who has ever lived, including you here tonight. Tonight, I want to look at four different kinds of people I believe this message of hope can give hope to. And I believe that we all fall into one of these categories. So the first group of people I believe this message of hope can bring is what I've called the hungry. I don't mean literally hungry. I will talk about them later though. When I say hungry, I mean those who are hungry for God. The first group I want to talk to tonight are the Christians here. Those of you who are walking with God, you're seeking him, you're wanting more. You know, you've got some struggles, you know you're broken, but generally, you have a healthy walk with God. That you kind of people, that's what I want to talk to first. The first thing I want to say is, if your hope is in him, Keep it in him. Don't think that the message of hope from Christmas is just for those who don't have it. You have to keep reminding yourself day after day of the hope that God can bring to your life. If you're a Christian here today, tonight, I want I want us to start this message by saying nice and loud, "I have hope." On the count of three: one, two, three. I have hope. Nice and loud, so the devil can hear you. I have hope. You have hope. What is that? You know, I believe there's different kinds of hope. For example, I'm hopeful that my wife will get me what I asked for Christmas. I'm hopeful that Scotland will do very well in the Six Nations next year. But I'm talking about a different kind of hope. And to show what kind of hope I mean, I want to look at Mary. Mary was a teenage girl. She had done nothing to deserve God's favor. And you can read the passage and you, and you can think, Why on earth would God choose her? And we look at her response to what the angel said and then we start to get an idea of why God may have chosen her. In Luke 1.38, her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Without hesitation, Mary said yes to God's plan to take over her life. Even though it probably didn't look very appealing at first. He, Mary knew it wouldn't look pretty in that moment. She'd know that she wasn't married, she was gonna be judged In that culture, she may have been sentenced to death if people found out she was pregnant before marriage. But Mary still chose to go through with it, despite the difficulties. She saw the good that was to come, and to me, that's hope. In retrospect, if you look at our situation, we see it'll be even worse. We see that our son will be born in less than ideal circumstances in a filthy manger. We see that her and her family will have to run away to Egypt. We see that Mary's going to have to watch our son grow up and even worse, Watch him die. And in retrospect, when we look at it, we can see that despite all the the hardships, there's a reason behind it. God uses her even in the hard bits. Knowing that when things seem dark, there's still good behind it, that's hope. The last time we see Mary is in Acts 1, praying for the Holy Spirit to come, just as Jesus had promised. You know, Mary carried Jesus in her womb you physically could not get any closer to God than that. But in the end, we see she still hungers for him. At the start, she held Jesus in her arms. And in the end, she, she realized she had to let Jesus hold her in his arms. She realized Jesus wasn't just a child. He was our Lord. So Christian, if you're hungry today, if you're walking with God and your head's up, my encouragement to you today is keep it up. Savor his word, savor prayer, savor just spending time with Jesus. Savor it. Always see each new day as an opportunity. God's hope for you is this, a life with God here on earth, a life with God forever in heaven, and perhaps the biggest thing, the very fact that God can use someone like you. The hope for you this Christmas, is that whatever life throws at you, you can conquer it, because this little child was born and brought hope to the world. It won't always look glorious. A few weeks ago in church, we talked about Peter. You know, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, if you keep following me, you're gonna be crucified. And Peter went with it anyways. Now, God may tell you to do things, and it might not always look glorious. On Wednesday afternoon, my wife Jodie and I And our daughter went to the Christmas market in town. And we were there most of the afternoon. And then we left about five o'clock to go home. And we're walking up the hill to our car. And as I was walking up the hill, I just happened to look in the window of a coffee shop. And there was just this, this woman sitting alone by herself. And straight away, the Holy Spirit just spoke straight to my heart. You ever had that? The Holy Spirit just speaks and you know it's God and you cannot deny it. Straight away, God just spoke and said, go in there and tell that lady that I love her. Now, any of you who have been in that situation before, the first thing goes through your head, all these reasons and thoughts why you shouldn't do it. It's like, so I let Jodie go to the car because I was kind of standing and fighting with myself. I was like, God, if I do that, I'm going to look stupid. God, if I do that, she might laugh at me. If I do that, she might swear at me. God, if I do that, she might get the coffee shop staff to throw me out. God, if I do that, it's just going to be weird. And I started giving all these reasons why I shouldn't do it. Then after, as, as I continued to stand there in the rain, I started to think, Ashley, maybe God could use me here. I started to build myself up. I started to think, what if I go in and I tell her that and she starts crying and she gives her life to Jesus? That'll be amazing. And so I spent all this time kind of building myself up like a weirdo outside the coffee shop window. Then I looked and she stood up and her coat was on. And I kind of thought, all right, God, I'm not going to her. So you're bringing her to me. That's, that's fair enough. So she, she came outside And I stopped at the door and I just very quickly said, look, sorry to bother you, my wife's in the car. I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. And I just feel, I really have to tell you that God loves you. You know what she did? She just laughed. She didn't even stop. She laughed and went, huh, that's very kind of you, and walked away. Complete anti-climax. So she walked away and I kind of thought, what on earth was the point in that God? You spoke so clearly. Why would it why would that happen? And I just in that moment I felt the Holy Spirit so gently say to me, It doesn't matter if you know why. You did what I asked, and that's that. Sure. Church, so many things God asked us to do that may not make sense at first, but we just have to trust him. You know, why did God take Moses to the Red Sea if it seemed impossible to get past it? So that he could be glorified. So he could show the Israelites, this is what I can do. Why did God use David in a tiny little slingshot instead of of an armored warrior to show the Israelites, this is me fighting this battle and not you? Mary probably thought, why on earth, God, does it have to happen this way in a little manger? What what was wrong with a palace or a hotel? Then we look at our thoughts later on in Luke 2. look at our response. And we see that despite everything going on, Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. She chose to see the hope that was in this little baby that was being born despite the circumstances. She allowed herself to see the good that could come from this less than ideal situation. So to the Christian who's hungry for God tonight, the Christmas message shows that if you just make yourself available, if you make yourself willing To God, if you just have faith in him, he can use you more than you will ever imagine. You often won't see the direct results, but that's where faith comes in. I don't know what happened to that lady that I spoke to. Maybe she went home and just completely forgot about it. Maybe she went home and cried that night. I don't know. Maybe she'll remember it next year when she's gone through a hard time. I don't know, but God knows, and that's enough for me. So the hope for the Christian who's hungry for God, keep it up. Keep walking and keep trusting that God is going to use you. The second group of people I believe this message can bring hope to is those who have called the oppressed. In Star Wars, the empire is an oppressive regime. They're racist, they use fear, they use violence to keep their people submissive. A modern example would probably be North Korea. Under Kim Jong-un and all his family's line over the past few decades, all basic freedoms in North Korea have been completely severed. A 2014 report by the UN Commission found that abuses in North Korea are without parallel in the rest of the world. They found things were commonplace like the extermination of whole families, murder, enslavement, torture, imprisonment, rape, forced abortions, and other sexual violence. Anyone in North Korea who raises their voice against the government is apparently sent to a prison camp along with their families. In prison camps, they face torture, they face forced starvation, they face forced labor. If someone tries to leave the country and get caught, they get thrown in a prison camp with their family. If someone manages to escape the country, it's their family back home that suffers. It's their people being oppressed by an oppressive regime. So that's what it means to be oppressed. And while I do have faith that God and the gospel can break through and a move of God could break those people free from their oppression, that's not exactly the kind of oppression I'm talking about. The kind of oppression I'm talking about tonight It's spiritual oppression. Maybe tonight you're here and you're fighting certain battles and you just cannot see the end in sight. Whether that's illness, maybe it's grief, it's pain, loneliness. The Bible says we have an enemy who fights against us, Satan. In Star Wars, Luke was the new hope that fought against the enemy and defeated him. In real life, Jesus is our new hope who has already defeated our enemy. See, since God came to earth as Jesus, since He died, since He rose again, He defeated death. He showed Satan once and for all that Satan could not win. Church, the war against death and sin and against the devil has been won, but the battle still rages. First Peter five eight says, "Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour." Jesus beats Satan on the cross. Satan knows his days are numbered. But he still wanders around this world looking to do three things. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. What does he want to steal? One of the things he wants to steal is your hope. Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. As we read in Luke 1, she was childless. She couldn't conceive, she couldn't have kids. By By the time the angel came and visited her, her and her husband were both so old For them all hope had been lost. Then a word from God comes. One word that says you're going to have a son, and he's going to point people to Jesus. He's going to point people to hope. Years and years of oppression, of barrenness, ended in one instant. So tonight, maybe you're fighting an illness. Maybe like Elizabeth, you're fighting barrenness. I have faith that one word from God can change your situation. We've seen people in this church healed of illnesses. We've seen people who couldn't have kids go on to have wonderful, healthy families. My encouragement to you is we're gonna have a time of prayer at the end. Come forward and get prayer. You don't have to struggle if you're being oppressed. There is a new hope in the form of Jesus. Jesus wants to bless you and he wants to glorify God. You know, we say it in church a lot. We know that God can use all circumstances for good. the truth is, sometimes God uses the hardest circumstances in our life for good and to glorify him. How many of us know that the most fun seasons of our life aren't often the most fruitful? But the most fruitful seasons in our life aren't usually the most fun. You know, it couldn't have been easy for Joseph to accept that his virgin wife was pregnant. You know, when God came into the world, the guys didn't even have a reservation at a hotel. We can get so fooled into thinking, church, that when God's going to do something, it's going to be easy. But quite often, it's not. There's a great verse in Isaiah 11, verse 1. A Christmas verse, I believe it is. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, you might read read that and think, what on earth does that mean? It's talking about a tree, or more specifically, David's bloodline. And this bloodline was once huge and majestic. It was once great, but it was cut down. It was like a majestic tree and it had been cut down to nothing but a stump. But Isaiah predicts that from that little stump, something great will come. Church, don't think you're weird if your life is hard. Don't think you're weird if your life is hard. Maybe you're wondering just now, my life seems like a stump. Why? Why? The truth is sometimes God needs to use the stump in your life. If that is you today, if you feel like that's the position you're in where you were once a majestic tree but now you're a little stump and you're looking for the fruit, my encouragement to you would be look for Jesus. Focus on Jesus first and foremost and I promise you, I promise you, that fruit will come and your stump will grow again. In your weakness, he is strong. Stephen Ford take the path, the passenger the pastor of elevation church said this disappointment isn't the enemy of hope disappointment is the doorway to deeper hope please know tonight that i am not saying if you're suffering it's because god is causing it what i am saying is that he can use it don't let the enemy steal your hope tonight if you are being oppressed you may be being oppressed but greater is he who is in you than he who is of the world Our enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You know, for many people, Christmas is a time of great joy. But you can also face so much grief at this time of year. If you've lost loved ones, Christmas can just be hard. I remember when I was younger, until I was about 15, Christmas was just the best thing in the world. Our whole family would meet together at my granny's house, and we'd all be together, and it would just be such a time of joy. If I'm being quite honest, some of my memories of Christmas in those years are the best and happiest memories of my life. Then when I was younger, in 2006, my auntie died. My auntie was my mum's sister, she was my granny's daughter. She was kind of like the glue that held the whole family together. And once she died, Christmas was never the same again. People stopped coming year after year. There was less people there. We couldn't go through a Christmas dinner without my mum, without my granny, bursting down into tears. It was, it was never the same again. It was hard. Someone in my family a couple of months ago miscarried their child. This Christmas, instead of being excited for what could be, they'll be thinking about what could have been. Maybe today, this is going to be your first Christmas without a loved one and you're not looking forward to it. The truth is we live in a fallen world and death is a part of it. And sometimes for us, it feels like it comes too early. But even though we grieve, there is hope. In Star Wars, the guys lost many bottles. So many of the good guys died. But in the end, they won. Church, in our lives, we will take hits. We will take blows. We'll lose people. We'll wonder why. We'll suffer. We'll grieve. But please just remember that in the end, as it says in Revelation, there'll be no more pain and no more tears for all of those things will have passed away because this little baby boy came to earth in the form of hope. I'm from a little village in Midlothian called Lone Head and there's this Lonehead community page on Facebook um, where you can kind of post what's going on and chat about things in the village. And just earlier in the week, an, an elderly man posted a Merry Christmas message but he kind of wrote a, paragraph of his view on Christmas and I found it so poignant so I thought I'd share it. So the man wrote for in public, Merry Christmas everyone. The older our members get the more their feelings about Christmas will slowly change. Those blessed with a devout religious faith will maintain a lifelong understanding of the redemption bought by the birth of Jesus. For most of us however with little or no faith or of different faiths Christmas has become increasingly a time marked by as much stress as joy. More and more of us think it's really for the kids, and that is surely right. The older I have gotten, the more Christmas reminds me of the past, and especially of happy days with all those who are no longer with us. And what this man said, I think it resonates with a lot of what people in our culture think. For so many people now who don't have this hope of Christmas, who who haven't grasped the message, Christmas is just a time where you remember those who aren't there. But even though this man wasn't a Christian, he acknowledged the hope that the message of Christmas can bring. So if you're struggling this Christmas, if you're being oppressed by a vile enemy, please know, please know, the battle has been won. Because baby Jesus came to earth, there is hope for you yet. The third group of people I believe this message can bring hope to is the poor. Now, I don't just mean poor financially, though they're included. I'm talking about those who are poor in spirit. Maybe you're part of this group. Maybe it's not that you think the enemy's always fighting against you. Maybe it's just that you think, I've never had, I've never had anything. <laughs> the enemy's got nothing to steal. If that's you tonight, maybe tonight you think you're a nobody. I've got good news for you. God uses nobodies. We're going to continue looking at Luke 2. I'm going to jump to verse 8. Continue our story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Back at the very start of the Bible, In the book of Genesis, to be a shepherd was an honorable profession. But after the Israelites' time in Egypt, after their various exiles and exposure to different cultures, by the time Jesus was born, shepherding was a lowly profession. Back in those days, shepherds were nobodies. They were along the same lines as tax collectors and Celtic funds. Those lowly shepherds, however, were the ones who spread the good news. The ones who, as the text says, returned to glorify God. Why was that? Because God doesn't just use the important people and the rich people. Even though those shepherds were poor, their revelation about God, their encounter with God was enough for them to act despite their circumstances. You know, the angel could have visited them and they could have said, we're just shepherds. We can't do this. We don't deserve to do this. Instead, they said, let's go and see. Tonight, you may think you are the lowest of the low, But let me tell you, if you have a revelation about who God is, if you have a revelation about Jesus, that is the most valuable thing in the world. If you have that revelation, if you grasp it, God can use you in more ways than you ever imagined. You may think you're a nobody. You may think to yourself, I'm not the one who can take that step of faith. I'm just not confident enough. You may think, I'm not good enough to lead a small group, you may think God's called me to do this, and I want to do it, but I just can't see myself doing it. Church, that might be how it works out in the world, but it's not how it works in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter if you come from a rough housing estate, doesn't matter if you used to be homeless, doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a company. doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been. if God has called you, He wants to use you. He wants to use you. You can have hope this Christmas that God is with you and that God is for you. In Star Wars, I talk a lot about Star Wars today. In Star Wars, Luke Skywalker started off as this little farmer. By the end of the trilogy, he's a savior of the galaxy. I want it to be known here tonight. It doesn't matter who you are. If you know Jesus tonight, if you know Jesus, your life has more value than you could ever, ever know that's the hope the message of Christmas can bring to you. And the final group of people I believe this hope is for is those who I've have, have titled evil. Now, I have to be very careful using the word evil because it's a very strong word. What do I mean by evil? When we talk about good and evil. They're strong words and you have to be careful. G.K. Chesterton once wrote, about the word good. The word good has many meanings. For example, if a man were to shoot his grandmother at a range of 500 yards, I should call him a good shot, but not necessarily a good man. People are split on this subject. Is humanity good or is humanity evil? A few years ago, a website called debate.org, which puts out questions like this um, publicly, they asked the question, is human nature good or evil? And the public public results were that 49% of people thought humanity was good and 51% thought humanity was evil. Almost split exactly down the middle. It's a polarizing topic. And when we think of evil people, we think of people like Hitler. When we think of evil, we think of those who prey on the young. We think of those who prey on young kids. We think of murderers. We think of rapists. We think of the worst people in humanity. Talking about evil, I want to look at an interesting verse in Matthew 7. In Matthew 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Those who he's walked with and those who he loves. And he says this to them. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now we can read that and think, why would Jesus call his own disciples evil? What does he mean? So we look at other translations and, fair enough, other translations say wicked and sinful. So you, could, you might say to me, Jordan, evil is just a bad translation. So if you look at the Greek, the word Jesus used comes from the Greek word poneros, which literally means toilsome, bad, full of labors, or of a bad nature. So when I say evil, I'm not saying every single person is evil, and I'm not saying every single person is incapable of doing good. What I am saying, though, is that because of the sin of Adam and Eve, everyone is filled with a sinful nature. Everyone sins. Everyone sins. We know what that nature is, Jesus tells us in Mark 7. For it is is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Show of hands, you can be honest, you're in church. Has anyone ever lusted after someone here tonight? Anyone ever been angry with someone tonight? Keep your hands up. Anyone ever been greedy? Has anyone ever stolen? Anyone ever lied? Keep your hands up. Anyone ever been jealous? Not every hand's up. So those who your hands are down, get your hands up right now because you're lying. (laughs) We may not be evil people, but there's evil in our hearts, all of us. Paul says in Romans 3, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. A few verses later, he tells us all have fallen short of the glory of God. God has a standard and no one can reach it. Only one person who's ever lived has reached that standard. And he was that little baby born in the passage we just read. Church, I will be the first to say, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that I am a wretched man. If you saw some of the things that went on in my mind, some of the things that went on in my heart, they would make you sick. The only good thing in me is Jesus. And this is the Christmas message, that 2,000 years ago, a child was born. A new hope was brought into the world for sinners like me. This child grew up, this child lived the perfect life, and he was crucified. Along with all of your sin, all of that evil in your heart, it was nailed to the cross along with Jesus. And when Jesus rose again three days later, he conquered death and he conquered that enemy that tries to oppress us. You hear this message preached every week, the gospel, and it is one thing we will never stop preaching. Because of what Jesus did, we don't have to let the evil in our hearts hold us back. We can come before God boldly. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. A common prayer request I get, whether here on a Sunday night or just in secret, is this, Jordan, I'm struggling with sin. I just, I just don't feel I can come to God because I feel so guilty. If that's you tonight, let me tell you, there is hope for you. What was one of the last things Jesus shouted on the cross? It is finished. It's finished. The payment for your sin, all your debt has been paid. To the believer here tonight, to the Christian here tonight, let me tell you, you are perfectly holy in God's sight, 24 hours of every single day, 365 days a year. You know, I used to serve on the worship team, I used to serve on the worship team, and the number of times in the morning, I would get on stage and just think, I don't deserve to be here after the week I've had. I do not deserve to be worshiping in front of the whole church. I'm just, I'm just a hypocrite. It completely took the joy out of my serving. And one day, it just this message of grace, it just clicked. I understood it. I understood the hope that, this Jesus, that Jesus gives. And I can now stand here and proudly say, I'm still a hypocrite. I don't deserve to be preaching here. The things I've done in my life, I don't deserve my daughter. I don't deserve any of the good things God has given me. If serving and doing what God has called you to do depended on what you deserve this church would be empty. You may think tonight, you may have come here tonight and you may think, I don't deserve to worship God because I'm a sinner. It's finished. Come before God and boldly worship him. You may be here tonight and think, I don't deserve to do this thing called church. I don't deserve to serve because I'm struggling. It's finished. Come before God and bring that struggle out into the light because he loves you. You can even say, you know God, I sinned this morning. But I know I can boldly come before you because Jesus came to earth and died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. That's not to say you just keep going sinning and do whatever you want. Fight your sin, church. Jesus died for it. We hate it. Fight for sin with all your heart and most importantly, with the Holy Spirit's help. But do not let your sin keep you from God. Because if your faith is in him, You're already righteous and you will always be righteous. Mary was favored by God, Luke says. The Lord is with you, the angel told her. Was that because what she did was pleasing to God? No. It was because of her humble heart. It was because of her faith. Quiz time. Destiny College students and John, who was at South this morning, you're not allowed to answer this. When we put our faith in Jesus when we put our faith in him, we repent. There's two specific things, though, we repent of. The first one is sin. Anyone tell me the second thing? That's a nice tumbleweed going past the stage there. Graham teaches according to the pattern. I should say Graham's not allowed. Dead works. We repent of sin and we repent of dead works. Hebrews 6.1 one says, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. Church, trying and trying to please God through your own works, that's still part of your fallen and evil heart. Paul spends so much of his time in the New Testament writing to churches and people to try and stop getting them to do this. You know, I've got distant family members from England and I saw him put on Facebook one time. They said, you know, we do our bit. We give money to church every year. We're probably in God's good books. They're not Christians. You know, I don't see them a lot and they live far away, but I'd love just to ask them or just say to them sometime, you know, it's great that you're giving money to church. I don't know what church it is. It's great that you're giving money, but that's not quite how it works. And if it was how it works, you wouldn't have enough money to pay it anyways. I've got a cousin from the Borders who's a roofer. He fixes roofs. And similarly, he put on Facebook, my family love Facebook. He put on Facebook one day, I fix the church roof for free. That's one, that's one sin forgiven and again I thought that's not, how it works. that's not how it works if that's how it would work the same day he would have to go across the road and fix that church's roof then he'd have to go around every single church in the town and fix their roofs then he have to do the same thing again the next day and the next day and then he'd have to go around the whole world and fix every single church roof for all the sin he's done in his past let alone the sin in his future that's not how it works. And the truth is, it's much easier than that to get into God's good books. We have a new hope. His name isn't Luke Skywalker, it's Jesus Christ. Whoever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in this Christmas, there is hope for you. Maybe today you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. Can I tell you, following Jesus isn't about following rules. It's about a wonderful relationship and accepting the fact that you have been forgiven. You know, a a dangerous and common thought in our society is the kind of thought that, you know what? I've not killed anyone. I'm all right. I'm, I'm probably going to heaven. If that's how you think tonight, can I please say to you, in love, don't think like that, please. It is dangerous and it's pointless. It's like peeing into the wind or trying to go up a down escalator. It's it's not going to work. It's not going to get you anywhere. The only way to please God is to have faith in his son. To accept that there's nothing you can do to please him. Believe that Jesus died for you. Believe that he rose again. And just be thankful for his death and for his resurrection. You can invite him, you can invite his hope, you can invite his peace, you can invite his forgiveness into your life and you can let him change you. And let me tell you, it is the sweetest and most wonderful thing you can ever do. There's one episode left in the Star Wars saga, apparently. It's gonna come out in two years and I don't know how it's gonna end. I'm excited for it, but I don't know how it's gonna end. But as Billy Graham once said, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's gonna turn out all right For us, the end will look like our enemy, our oppressor being destroyed and us living eternally in peace and in harmony with God. So whoever you are tonight, whatever your circumstances look like, whatever your beliefs, the Christmas message is one of hope and it's up to you whether or not you let that hope change you. Let's pray. Father, before anything else, I just want to thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much, God, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, that you will never forsake us. Thank you, Father, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. I thank you, God, for coming to earth as this little baby, for living the perfect life as Jesus. Thank you for taking all of our sin on the cross, all of the evil in our hearts. Thank you for bearing it. Thank you, God, that you conquered the grave that you rose three days later and that you destroyed our enemy. Jesus, I just thank you for the hope that this message of Christmas brings. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters tonight who are walking with you and their head is high. I pray that you would just continue to walk with them and they would continue to know your love. They would continue to know your hope. They would continue to know your strength. I pray, Lord, that you continue to use them and that they would not lose their faith, they would not be discouraged and they would just walk forward knowing that you're with them and you're for them. I pray for those tonight, Father, who maybe feel oppressed. Maybe they just feel like the enemy is relentlessly attacking them and that there's just no end in sight and they cannot see the hope at the end of the tunnel. Anyone like that tonight, Father, I pray that just right now in this moment you would draw near to them. I pray that they would know your peace, that they would know your strength, they would know your joy. Whatever circumstance they may feel right now, Lord, may they just know that you're with them. May they know, God, that you'll love them. And may they know, God, that there is hope in you.